Have you ever had a question and wanted to know clearly what the Bible has to say about it? Well, in this podcast, Bible Answers for Today's Christians, we will learn together what God's Word really says. Take your Bible, please, and go with me to the book of 2 Samuel. The book of 2 Samuel in your Bibles tonight. The book of 2 Samuel. I'm going to begin a series. Uh, I'll be... Uh, I'm going to begin a series tonight of messages, and uh, I think I'm going to scatter them here and there uh, throughout Wednesday nights, maybe some on Sunday nights. And uh, the, the series is going to be on great words of the Bible. You know, there's some amazing things when you look at just the words of the Bible. And certain words of the Bible can really be brought out and help us understand and get us ignited and fired up about the truths of the the Bible. And uh, I'm going to speak on one word tonight. Now, I'm not going to tell you what word I'm going to preach out of as I read the text, but I want you to see if you can find the word in the text that I read that I'm going to preach on tonight. So, after we read it, We're going to ask you, after we pray, I'm going to ask you how many of you know what the Word is in the text that I'm going to preach on tonight. All right? So follow along tonight then out of 2 Samuel chapter number 5. We're going to begin with verse number 17 in this passage of Scripture. 2 Samuel chapter 5, verse number 17. And this is the story of David and the Philistines. And uh, how David comes to become the king here uh, of Israel. Notice here, let's read verse number 17 out of God's Word. How many got your old-fashioned King James Bible with you tonight? You got the Word of the living God in your hand tonight. Thank God. And uh, thank God for that. We have truth with us. So let's begin reading verse number 17 in God's Word. Notice the Bible says here, But when the Philistines heard that they had anointed King David king over Israel, all the Philistines came to seek David. And David heard of it and went down to the hold. The Philistines also came and spread themselves in the valley of Rephaim. And David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up? Shall I go up to the Philistines? And uh, wilt thou deliver them into mine hand? And the Lord said unto David, Go up, for I will doubtless deliver the Philistines into thine hand. And David came to Baal per Azim, and David smote them there, and said, The Lord hath broken forth upon mine enemies before me as the breach of waters. Therefore he called the name of that place Baal Perizim. And there they left their images, uh, and David and his men burned them. And the Philistines came up yet again and spread themselves in the valley of Rephaim. And when David inquired of the Lord, he said, Thou shalt not go up, but fetch a compass behind them and come upon them over against the mulberry trees. And let it be so when thou hearest the sound of a going in the tops of the mulberry trees, that then thou shalt bestir thyself. For then shall the Lord go out before thee 
to smite the host of the Philistines. And David did so as the Lord had commanded him, and smote the Philistines from Geba until thou come to Gazer. Let's pray tonight. Father, we ask your blessings and your help tonight as we open thy word. Tonight, dear Lord, we're just human instruments that need a heavenly unction and a heavenly power tonight. We just need something from God tonight, Lord. And we come to you tonight hungry, ready to get something like an empty cup. Lord, we ask you to fill it tonight. And I pray tonight that, God, you take the truths of this one powerful word, Lord, and make it penetrated into our heart and our life. And God, leave us with a sense of understanding of your goodness and your grace and your power in our lives. Help us tonight, we pray, as we preach the word. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I've never asked my audience before as I preach what word or what phrase or even what verse is it that I'm going to preach on tonight. But I'm going to give you the opportunity to tell me what word in the text that you think we are, I am going to preach on tonight. So uh, let's start with a lady. Is there a lady? Yes, ma'am. Anointed. Anointed. <clears throat> no, sorry, that's not the word. Miss Christine. No, no, that's a good word. That's a good word. Miss Tiffany. No, those are good words. They're all in the Word of God. Okay, the ladies failed, so we'll have to go to the men, all right? Oh, wait, honey, go ahead. Inquire? Inquire? Sorry. You missed the, you, you, remember the biz quiz? You remember that commercial with the biz quiz? She failed the biz quiz. All right, Sandra? Baal Perizim? I couldn't read it, so I couldn't study it. So I don't. <laughs> That's not the word, amen? No, that's not the word. All right, fellas. Uh, if they don't get it, I'll go back to you. Okay, yes, yes, sir. Philistine. Uh, no, sorry. Sam? Greece. Nope, nope. Yes, sir? No. Say it again. No. No. <laughs> they rhyme, don't they? Yes, sir? No. Say it again. No. no. Brother Joe? Images? No. Y'all are giving me sermons, though. That I appreciate that. <laughs> we'll stockpile these for future use. No, that was already mentioned. Where were you? Amen. <laughs> he was sleeping down there. Yes, sir? Smote. Smote. No. No. All right. Anyone else, honey? Deliver. No. Yes, ma'am. No. Yes, ma'am. Doubtless. She got it. She got it. Doubtless. Now let's look at the word tonight. Let's look at the word tonight here in chapter 5 and notice what God said here to the Lord, or the Lord said to David, verse 19. Let's read it again. It says, And David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up to the Philistines? Will thou deliver them into mine hand? And the Lord said unto David, Go up, for I will doubtless deliver the Philistines into thine hand. Doubtless. Doubtless. I'm going to preach on that word tonight. Now, there's some interesting things about the word that I want you to notice. 
The word is used, and it began to be used in the Old English in the 1400s. In the 1600s, when the King James Bible was there, it was correctly translated from a a Hebrew word that means exactly the same meaning as the word doubtless. There is a synonym for the word doubtless that they could have used when translating the Bible, and that was the English word indubitably. But wouldn't you rather hear the word doubtless over the word indubitably? They mean the same thing in English. However, you do not find the word indubitably in the Scriptures. But you find in at least seven cases, there's seven verses in Scripture that use this one word, doubtless. Now, Here's a very interesting fact about the word doubtless. There is actually a website that you can go on that you can trace not just the origin of the word, but trace the popularity of when a word was used. I just found out about that website. And I looked up the word doubtless to find out what age and what generation the word doubtless was used. And the word doubtless was great, most greatly used in the 1850s. The 1850s was the pinnacle when they used the word doubtless. And after the 1850s, it began to go down. And if you asked the average person what the word doubtless means today, you'd find they have no understanding or no idea about that word doubtless. But it was used greatly. After the King James Bible was translated, the Word of God began to, to, to spread. And the Word of God, hear me, the Word of God actually began to take over the language and the speaking of which people would speak. And so the Word, though it wasn't used much when it was put into the King James Version, and by the way, it was put in there correctly and, and, and perfectly understood from the original Hebrew. And when it was put in there, this word doubtless came to realize and become very popular in society. Now, here's what is interesting about the word doubtless. The word doubtless in all seven passages of Scripture where the word is used, it does not, it is not necessary for the word doubtless to be in there. Look at the text Let's read the verse again so we understand what I'm trying to say here. In verse number 19, And David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go up to the Philistines? Wilt thou deliver them into mine hand? And the Lord said unto David, Go up, for I will doubtless deliver. Now notice you could take the word doubtless out, and it would still have the same meaning. It doesn't change the meaning of the verse. It could say, Go up, for I will deliver the Philistines into thine hand. But yet, seven times, God chose to tuck right in certain phrases in Scripture this powerful word. Because the word is not important to the meaning of the phrase. The word is important to the emphasis of the meaning of the phrase. 
That is what's important. Notice again, if we were to emphasize the word doubtless again, stick with me because we're going somewhere, all right? But if we're to emphasize the word doubtless again, go up for I will doubtless deliver the Philistines into thine hand. Now I want you to notice that this is a word. Doubtless is a powerful word of emphasis that God uses in the Bible for many reasons. And we're going to look at three of them tonight for the power of this one word. Now, in order to understand this a little bit better, here's the context of what's going on in this battle. David had just become king. He was a young king. He was a mighty man of war. He was tested in battle, but he had just become king. He, they, they had no sooner put the crown on his head, but what the Philistines heard about it, and they come and they're getting ready to battle him in the valley of Rephaim. Now, hear me. The Philistines knew that David was capable of great power and great destruction. But, see, in this particular battle, David had to go to the Lord and he had to say, Lord, should I go against the Philistines? What do I do? Are, are they going to defeat me? And, and again, this is his first battle as a king. And they came up to David, and, and, and David had to get on his face before God. By the way, it's a good thing to get on your face before God more than often. Amen. And David got on his face before God. He said, God, should I go up? What's going to go on here, Lord? Um, are they going to defeat me, or am I going to defeat them? <laughs> and God said to him, I love this. Just sends chills up my spine. God said, yea, doubtless. He didn't, he didn't just say go up against them. He said, doubtless I will deliver you. Woo! David needed to hear the word doubtless because he was a brand new king. He had not been in battle before as a king and the Phil Philistines were formidable. And so David's going up against them and he goes to God and he says, God, I need to know what to do. I need you to tell me what to do. And God gave him this word. He said, I will doubtless deliver the Philistines in thine hand. Now that's a whole lot better than God saying, I will deliver the Philistines into thine hand. That's a whole lot better. And what it did for David is it removed the fear, it removed the potential destruction, it took any doubt in his mind away that he was going to lose this battle. God said, I will doubtless deliver you. There is no doubt about, hey, listen, if God says something is doubtless, that ought to give every Christian confidence. That ought to give you the peace of understanding that God, if God said, doubtless I'm going to deliver you, I want to tell you something. That wasn't meant uh, for anybody other than for David to understand. God is with him. God's going to take care of him, and God will deliver him in the battle. That was a word for David's confidence to know that he could trust in the Lord. Now, wait a minute. 
there's a second battle after this. And in this, David again, in verses 22 through 25, he defeats him in the first part, and then verse 22, the Philistines come up again a second time. And David inquires of the Lord again, Lord, what do I do? But wait a minute, wait a minute. In the second battle, God tells him, I will deliver you. I'll, I'll do it in a different way. So I, I'm going to use the mulberry trees this time. And God says, I'm going to do it in a different way this time. And he does not use the word doubtless. Now, wait a minute. In the first battle, he gave him the word doubtless. He said, doubtless, it's going to happen. You can hang your hat on this one. It's going to happen. It's done before it even happens in God's eyes. And, and God, but the second battle, he didn't need to know doubtless because he could already see that God in the first battle had won and God had taken care of him. And from then on, God had taken care of David because he told him, Yea, doubtless, I'll deliver you. Can I tell you what? When God makes a promise, the purpose of the promise is to eliminate all doubt. It's to take all doubt and pull it right out so that we can rest powerfully confident in the truth that God has given us. But I think there's an application here. And I think the application is, is that this was David's first battle, and it was a great one. Have you ever um, started doing something for the Lord for the first time? How many remember the first time you got up and sang a special in church? You, you remember that? Your knees were knocking, home sweet home, Yankee Doodle Dandy. You were scared to death. You didn't know. And, and as soon as you got up here behind the pulpit, you said to yourself, what have I gotten myself into? You remember that feeling? Maybe if you're a preacher, maybe the first time you've, you've preached a sermon or the first time you taught a Sunday school class, remember the fear and the lack of confidence that came when you started to do something the first time for the Lord? Ladies, you remember the first time you cooked for your husband right after you got married? <laughs> remember you were worried if he was going to like it? Remember that feeling of that first meal that you made for him? And you were like, uh-oh, is he going to like it or not? Well, just don't burn it and he'll like it. I'll promise you. Amen. Well, I'm simply saying that sometimes when you begin to do something for the Lord, you need to know this word, doubtless. Because as you're teaching those precious young souls and you start, that Sunday school class, or you start becoming a worker, or the first time you try to do something for the Lord, your confidence level is not always going to be very good. But Jesus is telling us here, when you're serving the Lord and you start serving the Lord, the devil would like nothing more than to snuff you out and to tell you you're doing no good. You're, forget it. Don't serve the Lord. You made a miserable failure of yourself. Let me tell you something. When you come to your first time that you're doing something you've never done before for the Lord, I want to tell you something. You need to know God will doubtless deliver you. See, 
The devil loves to get the private to fear so that he never, ever becomes a sergeant or a general. If he can stop you and I in the first battle, then he wins all the battles after that. So the word doubtless, God puts in his word to say, listen, I'll be with you. But no, it's not I'll be with you. <laughs> it's doubtless, I'll be with you. There's no doubt involved in it. God said, I'm going to take care of you. Uh, you just keep on serving the Lord. I'll be there. You know, it's funny. Sometimes I go home and I'll preach a sermon and I'll think that was the worst sermon in the world. And my wife says, amen. And sometimes I'll think that. And somebody will walk up to me and they'll shake my hand and say, Pastor, that was one of the best sermons I ever heard. And I wanted to say, you're a liar. That wasn't a great sermon. That was, and, and it's, but let me tell you something. When you're fulfilling the command of God, and you're doing what God has told you to do, let the word doubtless reign in your mind and in your heart. Doubtless. David, can you defeat the Philistines? I just want to throw a word at you, David. I'll not only let you deliver them, but I'll let you doubtless deliver them. Oh, what a difference. What a difference the word doubtless means. It means confidence when you begin a task that you're going to do for the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a second time. You want to see the second time the word doubtless used? Psalm 126. Let's go there. Most of you know this verse. You just don't know that you know it. Go to Psalm 126. Psalms chapter 126. Now, this is a verse of the children of Israel. This passage is the children of Israel celebrating the fact that they've been pulled out of captivity. They're, they're, they're pulled out of exile. Uh, they, after 70 years, they have gone home, and uh, they are back in their Jerusalem, and they just can't believe it. They are elated to be back in Jerusalem after 70 years of captivity. And this is how they express their joy in Psalm 126. So notice verse 1. When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. Then was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue was singing. Then said they among the heathen, the Lord hath done great things for them. The Lord hath done great things for us, whereof we are glad. Turn again our captivity, <clears throat> O Lord, as the streams in the south. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall what? Doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. What a powerful verse. What a wonderful verse. Again, the word doubtless is tucked into Scripture by the divine wisdom of God. And in this passage of Scripture, the Lord Jesus Christ uses this picture of the children of Israel who come back in their elation, and their, their just cannot believe it. They were like them that dream. I can't believe it. They're actually touching their feet uh, uh, on, on Jerusalem again. 
They're actually seeing the, the temple. It's still destroyed at this point, but they're actually seeing it again. They're, they can't believe it. And so in their elation, there's a verse here that says something else. Now notice here what it says, verse 4. It says, turn again our captivity, O Lord. Now wait a minute, What's he, what, what are they talking about? You see, Jerusalem, just because they were back, it was not rebuilt. Though they were thrilled and excited to be there, yet the city still lay in ruins. And they still needed God's help to complete the restoration that Israel had so that they could really worship God back again in the temple so that they could... Uh, <clears throat> so that they could enjoy their home again. And so they had to rebuild all of Jerusalem. We know through Ezra and Nehemiah uh, that, that they rebuilt the, the walls and the, the temple of Jerusalem. And so he's talking about, Lord, help us. Help us to rebuild. Help us to put every stone back into place. And notice what he said. He switches from joy and laughter, and he comes to this phrase, Sowing in tears. Sowing in tears. So we see even though they're joy, joyful to be there, yet they're in tears for that ruin and that destruction that they're seeing before them. And they have this constant hope in them that if they continue to sow in tears and, and they allow the, the, a contrite heart to God... And by the way, that's what cost them Jerusalem in the first place, was they did not keep a contrite heart with God. They didn't, they didn't keep a, uh, a humility in their heart. They didn't keep a, uh, a faithfulness, so to speak, to God. And so God allowed their enemies to come in and swoop in and take them over and carry them away for 70 years into Babylon. And, and so he's saying, Lord, keep us from that. Keep us on our knees. Keep us sowing tears. And keep us working. And, that, and then when we come to verse 6, we realize, we see here that they have to plant crops and bear seed so that, so that the city can be rebuilt, the people can be fed. And um, so that rejoicing actually can return back to them. And so he uses the word, doubtless. And he says, when, we go, when you're going forth, you're weeping, you're bearing precious seed, God said, I am doubtless going to return to you with rejoicing. <laughs> Listen to me, for every time you get on your knees and your face before God and, sh and, and shed tears before God, I want to tell you something, that is going to turn into rejoicing. That is going to doubtless return to rejoicing. You see, God is nigh to them that are of a contrite heart. And what it's supposed to do and what this word does in the context of this passage of Scripture, it reminds us that God will rebuild our lives, that when we, when we put our hearts and our minds in a, in a contrite place toward God, God will rebuild us. God will change us. God will make us. Do you know that the Bible says that God is still making us something in this life? I am persuaded that he is able 
to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. He that which hath begun a work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. What God is saying is not only did I save you, but hey, once you're saved, stay on your knees. Because that is the way for real, real rejoicing. That is the way God builds the hearts and lives. That's the way God does good things and amazing things in us. I believe that this verse is an amazing verse that gives us victory in our lives. Because the word doubtless is used right there. It reminds us that there is an overcoming power in the Christian life. It reminds us that God's work of rebuilding can be done in our lives. It tells us that even if there is a difficult, a difficulty having a victory in areas of our life, that if we will stay on our knees and on our face, God will give us victory and return rejoicing to us again. But it's doubtless. It's doubtless that God can do that and that he will do that. I think this also applies to a Christian who's lived their life a long time and <clears throat> you've been saved for 20, 30, 40 years now and, and, and if you're not careful and you don't stay on your knees, your Christianity is going to get kind of dull. It's going to get kind of boring. It's going to get to the place where it's ho-hum. You've heard that before. You know that. And it doesn't do the same thing to your heart as when you first got saved. But the verse is telling us that even though we're back, even though we're saved, even though we're back in New Jerusalem with joy, yet there's still a rebuilding and a changing and a working process that God wants to do in our lives. But that working progress is a progress that God will doubtless doubtless do in our lives. Amen. I believe this. I believe that there is something that overcomes you or, or overtakes you as a Christian. You stay on your knees, God will doubtless give you the victory over that. I believe that if there's times in your life when you don't know what to do, you can get on your knees and get on your face before God and sow in tears for a while. And when you sow in tears, you'll eventually doubtless reap in joy. What a promise. What a promise. Doubtless come again. There's a second, a third time, and, I, and for your sake, I'm not going to give all seven verses in the Bible and all God's people said. But I'm going to give you a third one tonight. Go to Philippians chapter number three. Mmm, it's good. Woo. I wish y'all could be preachers sometimes. I'm having a lot of fun. Philippians chapter 3. <coughs> Again, the word doubtless is used. The Apostle Paul uses this by inspiration of God. Philippians chapter 3 <coughs> and verse 6. <coughs> the Apostle Paul here, we know that he was a member of the Sanhedrin. He was a, a good Jew, in fact, he made it his goal to persecute Christians. And he brings this out in this passage. But God changes him. And, and the power of the word doubtless is used here. Philippians chapter 3, notice verse number 6. Concerning zeal, persecuting the church, 
touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. <laughs> there it is. Yea, doubtless. And I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dumb, that I may win Christ, and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Now here's what Paul's saying. He said, I was a persecutor. I was a hater of Christians. But one day, God changed me. God got a hold of me. And by God getting a hold of me, it changed my heart. And the things that I thought were gain are loss. And the things that I thought were loss have now become gain to me. He said, I didn't care about God before. I thought they were a bunch of religious nuts. He said, I killed them and threw them into prison. But wait a minute. God changed my mind. God changed my heart. He gave me a whole different understanding. He gave me the light of Christ so that I don't have to walk not knowing Christ. But he said, yea, when I gave up what I thought was gain and gave it to the Lord, it was gain to me, but yet not just gain, but it was doubtless a gain. Doubtless. You know, I'll tell you, if you're serving the Lord for quite a while, and you've been serving the Lord for years, I, and by the way, I hope you will. I hope you'll, you'll get old and, and die in this church. Amen? Down the road. Amen? 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 A ways, not on the next train, okay? But one day, I hope you grow. I hope your knowledge of Jesus Christ grows and grows and grows, and you learn more things, and your heart is filled and thrilled of the things of God. And remember something. Here's what we need to remember that when we give up our gain for God's gain, we are doubtless gaining the right, and the good things. This old world will always tell you, especially young people, the world will tell you, you're missing out. You are missing out on real life. If you, you know, you just need to get out there in the world and experience what's out there. And Paul said, I've already been there. I don't need to go into that thing again. I've already been there, and I counted that but loss. But now... I want to win Christ. I want to gain a knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Those things that I lost were nothing to me. Doubtless, without a doubt, not even a, not even a doubt in my mind that those things are worthless and meaningless. But the things that are gain is the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ he said, yea, doubtless. I don't have any doubt about it. You know, the greatest way to serve is to know and to live without any doubt serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. 
Because sometimes doubt will creep in. It'll overtake your heart. It'll overtake your mind. And, and you need an understand <clears throat> of an assurance that God can give to you and I. You see, assurance, a lot of Christians are like the guy who got on the ferry boat riding his bicycle. And he kept riding his bicycle on the ferry boat around and around. Why? Because he wanted to make sure he would actually get across the river. What got him across the river wasn't the bicycle. What got him across the river was the boat. And may I tell you what? We have to have our hearts and our minds solid in our assurance of God because that doubtless serving of God is what gives us the joy and the understanding that Christ is gain and all things of this world are lost. Amen. If you die today and your bank account reads zero, but you've done something for God, don't doubt it. You'll see it again in eternity. If you die today and maybe... Uh, <clears throat> Maybe you didn't rise in certain stature or reach some great goal that you wanted, but you served the Lord Jesus with all your heart. Can I encourage you and tell you tonight, without a doubt, without a doubt, you have, you have followed something that is gain. And you know, the Apostle Paul even uses the word dung. The things of this earth to me were like dung, manure, refuse. He said, that's what it was like to me to serve this whole world. He said, I don't need that. Yea, doubtless, serving God is where it's at. Oh, the devil will try this, that, and the other, but you need to know that God is there. During the first part of the Golden Gate Bridge, they didn't use any safety devices and as they built the first half, there were uh, 23 men that fell to their death. So they stopped the project and they constructed a large net that cost $100,000 at that time. And at that time, at least 10 men fell into that and were saved. But here's the important thing. And Interesting sidelight of that fact was that 25% more work was accomplished when the men were assured that they were safe. And I want to tell you something. As you and I serve the Lord Jesus Christ, we need to serve the Lord with a doubtless mentality, with a doubtless mindset. Paul said, I know whom I have believed. He didn't say, I'm hoping. He said, I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. There was once a humble Christian who was brought before a judge. He told them that nothing they could do could shake him because he believed that if he were true to God, God would be true to him. Do you really think, asked the judge, that the likes of you will go to God and his glory? I do not think, said the man. I know. 
I know. And there's a whole big difference between serving the Lord with doubt or serving the Lord doubtless. That what God has done in us, he will perform it. He will complete it on that day. You know, we're just a work in progress. That's all we are. We're a work in progress. God saved us, and thank God our destination is going to be heaven. But let me tell you something. He is always working in us something that he wants to make of our life. And we have to be doubtlessly understanding that serving this old world, you can gain all the things of this world, but if you gain the Lord Jesus Christ, you'd have nothing to fear, nothing to worry about. Serving the Lord is a doubtless blessing and a doubtless gain. So, the word doubtless has a powerful impact. It's a word that God did not have to put in his word to cause us to understand what he wants us to understand. It's a word that God put in his word to help us to understand what he wants us to understand with power, with joy, and with the true understanding that God himself is a doubtless God. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. We hope this was an encouragement to you. Follow and like our podcast to stay tuned for our next episodes.